good afternoon or good evening, and welcome to another HRO Today educational podcast. I'm Ellie Clark, the CEO of HRO Today. We publish HRO Today Magazine, HRO Today EMEA, and HRO Today APAC, as well as host the HRO Today forums and educational conferences held around the world, and we manage the HRO Today Association. Today, we're going to talk about what is really going on in the marketplace. Everyone has been talking about the new normal, but new normal doesn't sound normal, and I'm going to come back to that. What we ask today is to have one of the industry-leading providers of workforce services, Personify, come on, and their CEO, Ryan Carfley, is going to join me. And we're going to talk not about what they've just learned from a survey, not about what they are hearing from the academic community or HR Today, for that fact, what they're hearing from their customers about what are the issues that are most pressing right now and that their customers are talking to them about for 2023. So we're going to take you inside the HR executive suite of Personify's clients and give you a sense of the issues they're facing, and you can compare them to what you're actually dealing with yourself. Personify is one of the leading providers of workforce services, recruitment process, outsourcing, executive search, and a host of other related services to talent acquisition. They are a perennial occupant on the HR Today Baker's Dozen list as one of the most highly ranked providers in the world. Their CEO is Ryan Carfley. Ryan actually founded the company in 2001 and has made the jump from a locally owned boutique executive search firm to an award-winning global provider of RPO solutions. Personify has been on the Inc. 5000 list as one of the fastest-growing privately held companies in America. As I said, they've been on the Baker's Dozen list any number of times, and they have a great operation based in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And Ryan is actually ensconced there, where he got both his bachelor's degree and his MBA from UNC. So, Ryan, welcome to the podcast. Listen, it's a pleasure to be here. We really greatly appreciate and value the ability to connect with other HRO leaders and the value that HRO Today brings to us as it relates to industry insights and networking and connections. So it's an honor to be here and look forward to our conversation. Well, thank you. And today, I'm not going to give you any insights, Ryan. I'm looking for you to give me insights. So all the pressure is on you today. How's that sound? Awesome. You're going to make me earn it. Exactly, man. Bring it. That's my message, all right? You guys have a lot of clients. You certainly have had dramatic growth. As I said, you're one of the fastest growing firms in the United States, according to Inc. Magazine. But also, you know, you're a company that has achieved a considerable size and mass and therefore a lot of clients. I want to get right into it. You know, we keep hearing the phrase new normal. And to me, new normal sounds abnormal, all right? But in truth, we're back to many of the issues that existed prior to the pandemic. But I feel like everything seems more urgent. And I'm talking about things like talent shortages and, you know, industry pressures and things like that. Wage inflation certainly out there and whatever. So what I want to do, and we talked about a lot of these things, but I want you to hone in for us. As you've talked with clients in 2022, how did areas like DEI and talent shortages and communicating, you know, employee value proposition or technology rank as priorities? Is everything right now a burning platform? What are you hearing from TA leaders, Ryan? I think the one thing that we can reliably set a watch to is that change is imminent. I know, Elliot, you've been doing this a long time as well. 
I'm a TA history aficionado, I think. And if you think about the one thing that we know is certain is uncertainty is kind of around the corner. Probably no truer time than what you saw from 19 to 22 and where we are now. There's no question you've hit on some of the things that are top of mind, particularly for our customers. And I think it starts with just the generalized talent shortage that we see in 2022, but it's exacerbated by, I think, what the new mentality is kind of post-pandemic. We talk about, you know, what you hear about in the great resignation. To me, it's the great reevaluation and what's important. And I think employers are faced now, like no other time, with a job seeker that's in a bit of a different mindset. The value that a job seeker places in different buckets has been an evolution. And it's been a very quick moving target over the last 24 months, which I think puts extreme pressure on employers. The talent shortages that we saw in 2021 carried over into the first six months of 22. It picked up a tremendous amount of steam with what we all you know, have coined the great resignation or realignment, like I mentioned. And all of a sudden, for an extended period of time, job seekers had multiple options with the average job to job seeker rate being two to one. You saw increasing salary increases, hybrid and remote work environments, although that's also now come under significant change, became a deciding factor. And it became harder and harder for employers to attract and win because the playing field started to become much more level. All of a sudden, an incredible office facility may not be most important to me. You think of all the money that the tech companies poured into these campuses, all of a sudden that's not top of mind for me. And in terms of what's important right now is you're starting to see employers start to readjust. And we're now starting to have a continued discussion around things like EVP, right? So not only who are we, but how do we stand out? What does the pull through look like as I get through a hiring process within a given organization? See, there's never been more information at a job seeker's fingertips than right now. And what happens now is employers have figured out that the digital revolution in recruiting is on and probably not stopping, right? So how do we stand out? And then once I get into a hiring process, what's that pull through? Because now with Glassdoor and LinkedIn and the connections that we have, if I've presented myself as one thing and I get into a hiring process and it's something different, you fall out of a hiring process almost immediately. So I think EVP is clearly one of the hotter buttons and top of mind for our customers right now, because you've got to recruit at scale. And the fastest way to do that is in your digital footprint. And it's generally driven by who you're holding yourself out as, as an organization. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned TA history, and I want to take it all the way back, right, to, I think it's in the British National Museum. There is a letter that Julius Caesar wrote in 55 BC that is to the commanders of his 10th legion, offering them basically a year's salary, 300 sesterce, in return for referrals of other military commanders who were experienced that he could recruit into the 10th legion, okay? Referral bonus. And the big question is, why would he send that letter? Because they couldn't find enough commanders. Why would he offer them a year of bonus money? They couldn't find enough commanders. So are we sort of back to the future with some of these things? With the hybrid work stuff thrown in, though, as we're seeing right now, the CEOs are starting to put a kibosh on that. And can you give me some sense of how, you know, if we looked at 2019, what the burning platforms are to today, and you mentioned the digital revolution in recruiting, which is absolutely going on, but is there a difference or is it really pretty much the same thing we heard pre-pandemic. 
I think the labor shortage and the factors that drive hiring behavior, I think is certainly back to where it was in 2019. I mean, let's face it. When you think about the concept of there being some form of market contraction, you have to then take into consideration the sheer level of labor depletion that we had in 2019 going into the pandemic. I mean, unemployment was it. We were at full employment. And so I think that drove a very specific set of behaviors from our customers. But then you factored in inflation price of gas, you know, uncertainty around politics, interest rates. And it's a different toolkit in your tool bag that affects not only where you can recruit, how you can recruit, how you structure your compensation packages, where you work. I think from the point you're referencing in 19 to now 22, we've been in three, many times, completely different hiring environments. And I think this one that we're entering into right now is a far more balanced environment but it doesn't mean that the challenges that existed aren't still going to be there. We had people during the pandemic, Elliot, that just they left the industry they were in altogether. You were a nurse and you decided to go be a teacher. And many of these markets were already deplete to begin with. So I do think in a lot of ways, we're returning back to many of the sentiments and the behavior you saw in 19. But I think it's with a different set of challenges. Just think about the impact of the interest rate on relocation and candidates. It's impacting my ability to sell my home and it's impacting my ability to purchase my home on the other side. That has a direct impact on how and where you can structure a recruiting campaign. You're all of a sudden going to have to win at home far more often than you ever did. These are all great points. And I think sometimes companies look at the labor shortage, but they don't recognize that part of what happened during the pandemic is exactly what you said. Dual income homes decided, hey, we don't need the second income. We live without it for a year while the kids were home from school, and they simply are not returning to the workforce. Labor force participation rates are down substantially by 3 4%. I've seen estimates that high, though they seem to be coming back up a little bit. There's still a huge gap from what the workforce was before. So noting all these things, and I, I agree with you, I think that some of this is actually worse. As you look toward 2023, what are you telling TA leaders, your clients, to consider as the top issues that they need to focus on have a plan to address that was either an issue now or that you see as a, an issue coming in the next year. And yes, I may use this answer. It's coming up, Ryan, as an audio clip in 24 to see how much you got right. <laughs> a lot of pressure. I told you. <laughs> I told you I was putting pressure on you today, my friend. I think the first thing you've got to really consider is what are the downstream effects of the environment that we're in? And listen, there are a variety of technology tools at our fingertips that we utilize with our clients that enable us to get insight into the labor market and the markets that we serve like no other time, right? So if you're not really taking into consideration the available talent within a stone's throw of your backyard, and you're not considering how to win at home, profiles that were primarily recruited for on a national basis are becoming harder and harder to successfully recruit to. And so I think you've got to really restructure what your offering looks like. And if your offering has some component of remote or hybrid work to it, you've got to spell it out because job seekers in this environment are placing weight on a lot of these factors. And ambiguity is certainly not your friend. I think when you think about your digital footprint, like we mentioned, you've got to have a very tight EVP and you've got to take an omni-channel approach to the markets that you serve. You're no longer going to be able to win on one or two platforms 
It's going to be a far slower drip across a variety of platforms and a variety of geographies in order to win. So we're talking about two things, right? You're going to have to understand how to win in your backyard, and then you're going to have to be able to successfully recruit on a national level, which we've just discussed is getting harder. In the instances where neither are available, you've got to have and build out a very robust upskilling or training strategy, because like we talked about, this talent in many markets has left the building, so to speak. And so I think when you think about those things, in order to be competitive, you've got to have a plan for all three, and there is no silver bullet across each one of those items. And, you know, one of the problems as well, I mean, just talking about the way HR is structured is many HR departments, you've got the problem of acquisition sitting in one department and the problem of learning, development, upscaling, so to speak, sitting in another department. And as a result, most providers also don't provide both services. Most providers are in town acquisition or they're in town development. And the ones that are selling in both marketplaces, you know, some of the larger players that may have multiple divisions underneath their product suite, they're selling to two different buyers. So it's really hard to solve it when you consider that to get your talent acquisition right, you know, you want to retain people long-term to retain them. You need to offer them the opportunity to stay competitive in the job market. So a lot of issues to consider. So all good points. Brian, are you seeing companies starting to think about the continuum of talent management differently amongst the clients? Are they starting to come to firms like yours and saying, hey, we need to help think about how we retain the people that you're hiring? And is there a better sort of partnership? There's absolutely no question. Again, I think post-pandemic labor scarcity has driven a huge portion of this. Because I think in the years leading up to 2019, you just sort of recognized that there was a horizon at given levels of an organization, and you had to structure your talent acquisition process to account for it. You'd see it in a workforce plan when you started seeing like a retention number and how you addressed it. I think when you think about the path forward, and particularly next-gen talent, the tech stack, particularly an integrated HR tech stack, starts to become a major your competitive advantage. You're starting to see a lot of the HR IS systems function a lot like how we would see a Salesforce function, where it's the central hub of information and then a variety of products start to give us insights across the business in its entirety. So we are seeing that. And I think it's smart. The workday acquisition of Pecan, that was very, very smart. Mm-hmm. When you think about being able to start giving leading indicators to turnover and insights as to why they left, you can begin to set a workforce plan or a strategy that actually might hold up. I think there's no question that pivot is, is underway. Now, I will say there is so much noise around all these products that we oftentimes are sitting in as an advisor as our clients are looking at potential products, because I think there is now this, like you mentioned, this thought process, the talent management and talent acquisition need to be working in concert. All right. So for folks in the audience, think about that. There is potentially amongst your provider partnerships and relationships, firms such as Personify can help you make some of those selections and advise you through the process. There's a lot of software out there that's not unique or innovative, but it does chew up time and providers have already reviewed it. So that's a good source of guidance for you. That's about all the time we have today, Ryan, but thank you. Some great insights for our audience about what people are really talking about in town acquisition. This labor depletion issue is not something that will easily be solved. So in the absence of being able to create 10,000 technologists or life science professionals, the only thing you can do as a TA department is be more competitive and essentially get the market share that's available to you. 
So I think you've made some great points, and we'll see how 2023 shakes out, and we'll have you back to go back and revisit some of these predictions. Thank you very much for taking part in the podcast, Ryan. Can't say enough for how much we appreciate the partnership as well and look forward to connecting again soon. All right. That sounds great. So to all of our listeners, thank you. I want to thank Ryan Carfley, the CEO of Personify. And I want to thank you for your time and attention. This is Elliot Clark, and we will look forward to you joining us on our next HRO Today educational podcast. 